When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today is Sunday, June 25th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. NBA Draft, check. The Boston Celtics made major headlines moments after the release of last week's show, making their deal with Philadelphia official, trading out of the number one slot and selecting Jason Tatum third overall back on Thursday night. What in the world transpired over the last 10 days with the organization? And most importantly, how is this all going to work out? ESPN's Jeff Goodman coming up on episode number 215 of Celtics Beat being presented by ZipRecruiter and HelloFresh. So, Jason Tatum, will the Celtics retire his jersey? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if they'll retire his jersey, but I think he's going to be a hell of a player. Um, you know, he's a guy that I've really loved from the first time I saw him, which was sophomore year of high school, uh, AU. And, uh, he's a different player now than he was then. He, he was actually more of a point forward back then, and he's turned himself into uh, far more of a scorer, a guy who can score at all three levels. He continues to kind of extend his range, but... Uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to give the Celtics another option. Give him the ball at the end of the shot clock. He can put on the floor and make a move. And, you know, the thing that, that I love about him is, you know, he's got this setback jumper that's so pretty, uh, creates separation extremely well. And he reminds me a little bit of Paul Pierce. He's not quite as athletic, uh, but he can do a lot of the same things that Paul did. Well, Paul wasn't that athletic at the later point of his career, but. This is episode number 215 of Celtics Beat with ESPN's Jeff Goodman. Not just recapping Thursday's NBA draft, but educating and informing society, winning the hearts and minds of humanity, and righting the wrongs of the world. You know, Jeff, uh, back on Thursday morning, I thought the Celts were on a bit of a campaign to win the hearts and minds of Celtics Nation with an eventual Tatum selection. The league started to come out from the hours around you know, 9 a.m. Eastern time-ish to just about the actual selection a little after 8 p.m. back on Thursday of how great his workout was, what kind of kid he was. He's going to play basketball, not just for his legacy, but for all the single moms out there. So, you know, the Celts, they, they were a little more discreet, uh, but there was a clear writing on the wall 
in the lead up to the draft in the you know last I don't know 12 hours or so there there was seemed to be a subtle PR campaign sort of gearing up their fans to a Tatum selection I do have to give Danny a lot of credit in improving in that department I mean I, I can remember going back to his very first draft here I don't know if you remember but he couldn't even contain himself telling everyone under the sun that he was planning to, to pick Marcus Banks and Kendrick Perkins now they're a little better at hiding their cards while at the same time working on getting some approval from their fan base which I think the fallout from the, the last two drafts I thought that played a part in how the whole organization handled themselves back a Thursday night. That's a conclusion that I have. It's a conversation for maybe a little later in the show if we have time. But what about you? What did you know in the lead-up? Give us kind of your inside story, oh, preeminent basketball insider for the worldwide leader. Well, I knew that they liked Tatum a lot. I I knew it was going to come down to Tatum and Josh Jackson. And ultimately, when Jackson wouldn't work out for him, uh, you kind of knew at that point it was going to be Tatum just because I didn't feel like Danny Ainge would take a guy that he wasn't sure wanted to play in Boston, number one. Number two, you know, you didn't know if he had the medical info on Jackson. Number three was there were some off-the-court incidents in Kansas that I think Danny Ainge, before dropping a kid like Jackson, would have to know more information about. But, you know, I, I, I think talking to Danny over the years, uh, last couple of years, uh, he's liked Tatum a lot, and, and again, he saw him at, a, at an earlier stage. He saw him in a different setting than Duke, uh, and I think he realizes not only can Tatum be a, a you know an, a really effective offensive player, but he can be better defensively than people realize. I wanted you on this show because I, I just thought it was too soon. Thought you you would be able to provide the best account of what transpired uh, with the team over the last. Eight, not just uh, you know, up leading up to the, the eight to ten days or so. Uh, you know, the, the members of the organization they have spoken. Wick Grosbeck, Danny Ainge's, both of their full press uh, post draft press conferences. They are in its raw and uncut in its entirety in HD. Subscribe to YouTube.com/slash/CLNSMedia again. Wick Grosbeck and Danny Ainge's full post draft press conferences at YouTube.com/slash/CLNSMedia. So, I mean, why don't we go back to Tatum, Jeff? And I can even ask you this way. There, there's been a lot of organizational speak, and, you know, they pretty pretty uh, clear in insinuating that they believe that Jason Tatum was the best player in the draft. They were going to take him uh, with the number one overall pick. You, I mean, you know, you are an, an astute uh, basketball scout. You've watched these guys. You referenced with Jason Tatum. You've watched him since uh, sophomore high school, AAU days. I'm not going to ask, you've talked a little bit about him, given sort of a general synopsis for him. So I'll ask you, Mr. Goodman, to make a case for Jason Tatum being the best player in the draft. I mean, he easily could, but so could Josh Jackson. You know, so could Markel Fultz. But so make the Tatum the ball, case. So could, yeah, is I'm just okay? saying, you, you can make it, and I will. But what I'm saying is there's not a lot of separation between those guys. And they're, they're very different players. Uh, the, the, the reason why Tatum will be the best player, if he is, is because of his offense, because he could be, a again, a Paul Pierce, a Carmelo Anthony type who, who scores 20-plus a game and is very difficult to defend because of his ability to score. Uh, and I think he's got a good IQ for the game as well. He processes things quickly. You can put him in pick and roll. You can put him in isolation. Uh, again, he, he's extended his range. He was not known as a deep shooter. Um, but he's extended that range kind of each year the last few years. Um, so I, I think Tatum is, again, the best offensive player of this group, and that includes Markel Fultz. You know, he's got the size that, that Fultz doesn't have. 
Can I talk a little bit about his defense? Because you just hear sort of just a, a, a general type of, you know, say, oh, he can guard four positions. I mean, is that a sentiment that which you would feel is accurate? That he can guard four positions? And no, guard no. them well, of course. No? That's a no? No. Okay. Hate him? All right. Well, that's, no. that's the general. Oh, no. he can guard he's four positions. Average, okay. No, he's an average defender. Average defender who can, you know, maybe – I mean, he's kind of caught in between. Is he big enough to guard fours? Is he quick enough to guard threes? That's where he's going to have issues at first, is defensively. You know, he, he's gotten better in that end, but he's still got a long way to go on that end. I'll ask you another open-ender, and this is a, a wide open-ender, as you know, we've yet to see him in Summer League. I mean, it's just been, you know, a drop in the hat since the selection actually occurred. Uh, but, well, you know, why not? What do you think his fit in Boston will be for the Celtics next year? Depends what the team looks like, right? I mean, we don't know. Is Jay Crowder going to be on this team? Uh, I don't think Danny's done. Is, is, are they going to get a free agent? He better not be. You know, if, 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 if they don't know, let's say that the team stays the way it is, for the most part. I mean, obviously, we know Amir's probably gone and Zizic is coming in. But, you know, let's say for the most part, it's, it's the same top seven or eight guys. Uh, Tatum will find his way on the court because he can do things that other guys can't do, and that's he can create his own shot. You can give it to him late in the shot clock, and he can get something going off the bounce. Again, he's not a guy who's going to blow by guys necessarily, but he's going to use angles. He's long enough, uh, and again, he can, he can really kind of create um, space extremely well to be able to get his shot off. So uh, that that's that's why he'll get on the court. Why he won't get on the court if he doesn't get on a time will be because of defense. Interesting. That I guess really that when you talked about how he just doesn't have the explosiveness, I guess in in a sense that is sort of and he you know he's very crafty at getting his sh- own shot. I guess that is where the, you know the Paul Pierce comparison comes into play. You know, one thing that I do want to you know kind of charge right along here on on this show, Jeff, because we are getting you on, on the road here on, on the way home, and we are here with Jeff Goodman of ESPN is. One of the things I thought was very interesting, of course, uh, last week, uh, the Friday, um, let's see, two Fridays ago now, when uh, the you know, it looked like that trade was certainly going to go down, you put out a tweet where you, you said, and you just reiterated it a minute ago, when you said you didn't think there was much separation between the top, uh, what is it, four guys, five guys, yep. or whatever. You didn't think there was much separation, whereas the general consensus was that there was separation between Markel Fultz. There was like a Markel Fultz draw line, Lonzo Ball draw line. Then you sort of had Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, and then even if you want, you know, different positions and everything, apples and oranges. Uh, but you, you were adamant about that when that trade actually uh, was on the verge of happening, yep. when it actually did happen. You just said it here a few minutes ago. Um I know you. You know, there's no sentence asking you to reiterate that sentiment. But do you have really any inside information on the process the Celtics had in, in passing on Markel Fultz? Because it was seemingly a foregone conclusion up until about last Friday at about 3 p.m. Well, I think there's a foregone conclusion that maybe was was perpetuated by the media and, and, and wasn't accurate. You know that that everybody just kind of assumed that Ainge loved Fultz, which I think he did like him. But I, I think he liked Tatum, and I think he liked Jackson, and I think he liked Lonzo Ball. And ultimately it came down to the fact that the Celtics didn't see any reason to put it out there that it wasn't true at that point because I, I think they were smart enough to understand, all right, let's 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 see what happens. Most people like Fultz in this draft. Let's let it sit out there and, 
and see if we get some great trade off. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. They were able to take advantage of that. And Brian Colangelo really wanted bolts. Where Danny Ainge said to himself, "You know what? Not that much a difference. And in fact, maybe maybe I want Tatum or Jackson uh, over over the two guys that are going to go one and two. You know, over Fultz and, and Ball. So I, I think different people in this draft, different GMs, had different views. And you talk to ten of them, and they say Fultz is the number one guy. You talk to Josh Jackson's the number one on their board." That, that that would actually be a very interesting way of doing this right now is going back to every team and saying, who did you have at number one of your board? And seeing exactly what the breakdown was out of curiosity. I bet you it was, it was probably closer than in any other year over the last decade in terms of four guys all getting a good amount of votes. Yeah, It sort of goes back to, and, and this you, you brought this up a little bit earlier in your comment, it actually even goes back to what I said earlier in the show and how I felt that the organization was sort of gearing the fan base a little bit for a Tatum selection. There were a lot of leaks out there, and, you know, and just how much they liked him, how great his workout was, what a great kid he was. I, you know, I thought much of the fan, you know, fan fallout from the trade, uh, the Mark L. Folks trade um, from last weekend that was, was really just due to everyone, myself included. Now, I didn't vent about the trade, but I, I was just completely resigned to the Celtics picking faults and I hadn't given anyone else in the draft a thought uh, even after they you know once they got that number one overall pick and that was from someone like me who loved Josh Jackson as much so I mean just I guess to really wrap up on you know the trade and wrap up on Markel Fultz I might stuttering a little bit excuse me is I may as well just ask you for your opinion is that is that something that yeah. you would have done that that Philadelphia trade I would have done it yeah okay. I, I, I think it was the right move for Danny I think it's the right move because, you know, frankly, when you can add another potential top five pick, and I think it's going to be a top five pick, whether it's next year from the you know the Lakers pick, for, you know, via Philly, or in two years Sacramento, I, I absolutely think I would make the same trade here, just because I don't know if any of them are, are franchise changers. I think they're all similar. You could say. All four of those guys could be NBA All-Stars, you know, make three, four, or five NBA All-Star appearances at the end of the day. So um, I like Fultz. I, I probably would have taken him number one if I were drafting one. Um, but I love Tatum. I love Tatum. I love Lonzo Ball. I really like Josh Jackson. They're all so different, but you can make it a valid case for all of them being the best player in, in time. That's interesting that you said that because, I, I mean, I was figuring that, you know, you won Markel Fultz, and I remember you even said it on on the last time you were on yep. the show, which was December 2016, and obviously we do not have time to turn. And not only that, I wouldn't even want to talk about this. I usually save Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, t- discussions on this show, especially when you, you know, talk about his defense for, for shows in mid-January yep. when they lose back-to-back home games, giving up 125 to the Nixon Blazers, but... But I would have almost figured, hey, you know, why not go with the point guard and, you know, think of a, in a, in an eventual transition from the Isaiah Thomas age. But it's very interesting that, that you said that in terms of, uh, Jason Tatum and even Markel Fultz. Big storyline, of course, too, from the draft was Josh Jackson. Not only why the, Cel- why the Celtics did not pick him, but him nodding, you know, him not apparently not wanting to play in Boston, canceling a workout, not even speaking to the organization, uh, giving them uh, the Celtics, of course, no information. Now, usually you don't want to provide too much information uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, so, yeah, why did Josh Jackson do what he did, Jeff? You know, his his agent, I talked to B.J. Armstrong right before the draft began and asked him that question. and uh, He wouldn't give me a, a, 
a, a legitimate answer. And the only thing I can think of is that they felt like there was a log jam at that position in Boston where Phoenix, he'd have more of a chance to play uh, a lot of minutes right away. Damn lazy you know, millennials. They, yeah, it's just the way it goes. You know, like, even when I was talking to Fultz early on about the Celtics, and I said, you know, is it good the fact that, you know, you have a chance to play on a, on a team that could make the playoffs? And, like, I sense, like, he was sort of, like, yeah, but, but the, another part of him was almost, you know, not happy the fact that he's playing this team that's already established that may this not is have interesting that you're, that's in, that's so interesting that you're saying that. That's so yeah, interesting. That, I, I know there were a lot of early reports of prospects not wanting to work out for the Celtics because not that they had all these superstars, like they had LeBron James at their position. They just had a bunch of very good players at their position, and it was like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you just you got to hand me 30 minutes a game, even if it's on a god-awful team. And meanwhile, you hear Jalen Brown, I give credit where credit's due. He's saying the best thing that ever happened to me was I had to literally go out and earn my minutes on a winning team. And I was, you know, yep. I guess, you know, we could sort of hammer that point. I, I, you know, this is, I guess, where you can ask the, you know, hot takey, why don't people want to play in Boston? Is this a, you know, another instance? And I, you know, I, I, I guess you sort of gave me my answer, but I mean, there is nothing else to that. Cause I, I did hate to ask, but it is quite frequent, frequent that there are players, both professional and amateur on, or, you know, who are on the verge of being professional. And now we got Josh Jackson, even remember, Julius Randle, he stiffed the Celtics uh, three years three years ago. That pretty much led them to firmly selecting Marcus Smart. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say, why does no one want to come here? Because that's not always the case. That's an extreme take to garner retention. But I, I, I will go there, and I'll just phrase it a little more concisely, Jeff. Is, I mean, this is the Boston Celtics, so the crowning jewel of professional basketball. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals this past season. They're going to be on national TV some 25 times this year. So I actually ask on behalf of every Josh Jackson and every Julius Randle, and you can be as general as you want, what is wrong with these morons? Well, I mean, again, they want to play as much as they can right away. They want to get their numbers. Uh, sometimes personal numbers are more important than wins and losses. And, you know, I, I think there's, And then in three years, they're, they're complaining, trade me to a winning team. I'm tired of losing. I'm not going to say this is the case for Josh Jackson. Uh, but I've heard it, and I think we've talked about this in the past, that some players don't want to play with Isaiah Thomas. You know, and, and it, again, I'm not saying that this is a factor with Josh Jackson, but it has been a factor with other players I've talked to. And, and you know, the, the bottom line on that is, you know, Isaiah tends to dominate the basketball. And, and the guys want to play with him, well, Al, Al Horford did. But nobody knew Isaiah would have a year he had either, where yeah, it's his show now completely. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I just don't. I have to. I do have to make one point. I, it's uh, it's this theory now that I have developed. Uh, you know, it's you know Jason Tatum. He seems that he's ecstatic to be a Celtic. Of course, he seems like you know a very yeah. classy and he good kid. But but you know this goes back even to Jalen Brown last year. Can I really want to be a Celtic, etc. And I do find it interesting that you know Ainge is willing to trade for veterans who at best are lukewarm to Boston and at worst flat out don't want to play here. You know, all the way from. KG is probably not a good example because initially he turned them down because it just wasn't a good enough team. As soon as they got Ray Allen, you know, it's like, yeah, he signed me up. But speaking of Ray Allen, he was lukewarm at best initially. When, you know, this was prior to the Garnett trade. Chris Paul kind of didn't really want to be in Boston, and that, you know, he made that clear. Uh, I don't know about Paul George. I don't know. I think it's just he's in LA or Boston or something. But there's really no one out kind of banging out the door. 
So, I mean, it looks like there's a little trend with Danny where, you know, veterans, okay, I I'll, I got no problem trying to win them over once they come here. But young guys, he really seems to be putting an emphasis on players who want to be in Boston or or any, you know, in any any situation. I guess, does it, you know, is this as simple as this is probably the most important developmental time of their careers where if they don't have, you know, the utmost enthusiasm, they're not going to put the amount of effort into improving their game? Is it is that simple? Yeah, I mean, I mean, every organization, you want guys that want to be there just because it's, it's a little bit easier to get them to buy in quicker. You know, like Julio Okafor didn't want to be with the Sixers, and look what happened. You know, next thing you know, he's on videos fighting, you know, fans on the streets of Boston or, or wherever. So, I, yeah, I think you're looking for people that want to be there, which is why it was probably even if he, if Ainge wanted to draft Josh Jackson, it was hard to do so. You'd rather, if it's close, you're not going to go in that direction. If there was a big gap between Josh Jackson and everybody else, the Celtics would have Josh Jackson right now, or they would have traded the you know the number three pick and moved back. Best way to start wrapping this thing up, Mr. Goodman, is of course I mean I one small storyline of the night were the second round draft picks. Uh, you know we don't really know where the whole roster stand. There certainly is a numbers game. They got the two way contracts going, uh, but you know they did make three second round selections. They actually got quote unquote rave reviews. You know I guess you're pretty much the best person to talk about it, so I can just almost give you the open floor on say whatever you wish to say about the Celtics in the second round. Well, go go one by one, and I'll hit I'll hit each one of them. Okay, you're gonna have to uh, get me on the, the pronunciation. Is it semi? Jolier? That's yeah, probably way off. Shemi Ojolet. Shemi Ojolet transferred from, from Duke to SMU. Uh, known as maybe the best kid in the draft. Like, teams loved him through the interview process. Got a lot better. Uh, came out early. He's kind of a, a forward that uh, has just improved. I mean, he put up big numbers. He didn't really play at Duke as a freshman and transferred out of there and has put up really good numbers at SMU. So, you know, he'll be a work in progress, probably a D-League guy. Kadeem Allen, that is someone who I am familiar with, but you asked to go right down the board there. He's a bulldog. Uh, played at Arizona Junior College kid, came over from Hutchinson Junior College to Arizona, sat out a year, even though he didn't really want to. But, man, he, he could be like a Tony Allen-type defensively. That's the that uh, same so, comparison so I had. Top, athletic, uh, more of a two-guard in a, in a one's body. Uh, but, but yeah, not a great offensive player, but, again, he would, he'll be great with uh, the main right cause, I would think. Oh, I was going to say real quick, do you actually think he could make the team next year? Because I actually thought there was an outside chance that it will. I mean, I haven't really looked you know, the look at – Yeah, I'd have to look at the roster, the the, the, the final roster, and kind of where, you know. They, I mean, the only thing is they've got Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier, so do you carry another guard that yeah. – you know, really good defensive guard that's a little bit offensively challenged. Okay, I know nothing about Jabari Bird. Yeah, Jabari Bird was a highly recruited guy uh, to Cal out of high school. I think a McDonald's All-American. It just has never really panned out. But he's got the size that can shoot the ball. Um, you know, those are his, his biggest assets. He's, he just never really uh, did a whole lot to Cal. He was always a piece when he was kind of considered. Some people thought he could even be one and done because of his size and, and Real quick, actually, this is sort of getting on the verge of really wrapping this up. I know you've been talking to members of the organization. You're very close with everyone, Danny, Austin, etc. What kind of gauge do you have in the confidence that you have in them signing a max free agent? Because 
here we go. It's the dreaded 4th of July weekend. I say dread. I know it's very excited for fans, but that's my birthday, and I don't like how it's been plunged in my laptop. I really don't. But how, back to you know reality here, how confident do you think the organization is in signing a max free agent next week? Oh, Two weeks from now, actually. I, I think it's 50-50. I, yeah, I don't that's think good. it's 50-50 is good. I wouldn't count them. That's 50 All right, maybe not 50 okay. Maybe not 50-50. But, you know, I don't – yeah, I, I – Gordon Hayward to me would surprise me. Blake Griffin would surprise me. So I think they'll get a free agent. They'll get an upgrade. But I'm not sure it's going to be somebody that people are going to be like, oh, my – you know, those are the two, right? And I don't think they're going to get either one of them. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, it's hard to tell because Gordon Hayward doesn't give a lot of people a lot of info. And, uh, and Blake – I just don't see him coming to Boston yeah, at the I, end of the I, day. I I'd be shocked. I, mean, I, I would be, too. I, I'm a little more positive on uh, Gordon Hayward, but that's a conversation for another portion of the show. Basketball insider for ESPN, Jeff Goodman. Follow him on Twitter, at Goodman ESPN. Give me a storyline for the 2017 NBA draft, and I don't know, 2020 or so. A storyline? Yeah, as we look back on this draft. Three years, four years. Uh, I think it's going to be you know, a lot of really good players. Um, maybe no superstars, but a lot of really good players. And, and again, I think Jason Tatum is going to be a guy that you look at and say uh, he's a, he's an all star. You know, I think he's going to make multiple all star appearances over the course of his career. As we relaunch as CLNS Media this summer, we are hiring here at the network. Both audio-video production, graphic design, staff writing, social media, and broadcast journalism, we are taking on all comers with all forms of educational experience, both in and out of the field, and we are doing so utilizing ZipRecruiter. What a great service. We get all of our candidates in one place with just one click. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan to try it for free and experience it for yourself. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Today's edition of Celtics Beat is also being brought to you by HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com and use code BEAT30. That's B-E-A-T-3-0. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service focusing on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Versatility and efficiency, huh? The name of the game of the 21st century. Oh, that and the tastiest of food. Get delicious, ready-to-make meals for less than $10 per meal and save some dough while added $30 on your first order. Best of all, support Celtics Beat and CLNS Media by using our coupon code BEAT30. That's HelloFresh.com and code BEAT30. Back here on Celtics Beat, want to thank Mr. Goodman again, who must be absolutely flippin' torched. He has done his uh, fair share of thinking and talking about the NBA draft over the last uh, God knows what on the calendar. So uh, enjoy Vegas, Jeff. Don't dive into the indulgences too much uh, in efforts to relieve stress. But uh, Vegas in, what is it, like a week-ish here? Enjoy Summer League, um, as everyone should. CLNS Media, leading online provider of audio-video coverage for the Boston Celtics, the NBA's winningest franchise, will be in Vegas and live in Vegas, live and on demand. Subscribe to that YouTube page, my dearest of listeners. I cannot stress that enough. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. The network is going to cover every square inch of the Celtics and Summer League. They're going to be out there. They will go live on YouTube. 
before, during, and uh, after the games with the usuals, pressers, locker room, pre- and post-game analysis on the court. Uh, everyone that's going to be out there uh, for the Celts, uh, I mean, let's see who's going on. Uh, Ante Zizic, Jason Tatum. I mean, this is all off the top of my head. This the, the second rounders uh, that we just uh, referenced. Me and Mr. Goodman, uh, J- Jalen Brown. Right, he's da- he's got to be going. Of course, yeah. Uh, they're all going to be out there. Uh, the uh, the Deontay Christmas uh, summer league story du jour, whoever that may be, is going to be this year. Catch them live on CLNS Media on the YouTube page to stay up to speed on this very very. Oh my God, let's see. What adjectives can we use to describe uh, the Celts in Vegas? Uh, intriguing. Uh, very. This is very important. It's, it's this is a huge, this is huge, this summer league. Oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, I, 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 okay, I am most anticipating watching Tatum, of course. Uh, you know, we've really yet to see him besides a handful of games at Duke, which I did watch a, a fair amount of Duke this year. I watched a lot of Duke, Kentucky, uh, Kansas this year. It's, everyone sort of remembers a lot of my Malik Monk tweets. But anyways, uh, I am going to go on record. Uh, I sent a few tweets out from the show account, I believe, on Thursday uh, leading up to the draft at Celtics Beat NBA on Twitter. Um, I was told prior uh, hours prior to the draft that the Celtics were planning to select Tatum. I made that clear to a few inquirers on social media who tweeted at Celtics Beat NBA. Me personally, I had a preference to Josh Jackson, and that's only because I love Josh Jackson. Uh, I watched. You know, plenty, plenty of Kansas games this year, as I said. I, mean, I vividly remember Kansas in Baylor. Um, watched that with the great Bob Ryan. And we uh, are very, and we were, and I guess will remain very, very high on Josh Jackson. However, Josh Jackson is not a Celtic, so we could care less about Josh Jackson right now. Uh, but I did watch plenty of Tatum. Uh, did, you know, see Duke's surprising run of the ACC championship. Uh, it were, that was Tatum. That's when he really broke out. And I, re- I can recall listening to a many a Celtic stuff live episodes during Tatum's breakout of the ACC tourney back in uh, early March, where he was absolutely dominant uh, and he was dominant in all those games. And what was it? it was a back to back to back to back, I believe. And and that is now two years in a row of Justin Poulin, his binky. Last year was Jalen Brown. This year is uh, uh, Tatum. Justin, ask and ye shall receive. Uh, I would also love to conveniently dismiss what won John Duke's appraisal of Mr. Tatum, considering that Duke is a Duke himself. He can't be that partial, right? Uh, but of course we shall not. Great basketball mind won John Duke. Anyways, the perception that uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. Last year, Jalen Brown, he was the high-risk uh, really low ceiling, high floor guy. I mean, you know, I, you know by the way, remember uh, when I went on a bit of a diatribe on the Jalen Brown selection last year? We don't remember that? Okay, awesome. awesome. Every, good. Everybody, everybody forget what I said about Jalen Brown last year. Thank you very much. But, uh, Tatum, um, where are we? Uh, let's see. Uh, where are my thoughts? I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, we all, uh, we all refrain a bit nowadays from making bold proclamations on draft selections. I thought uh, you even saw it with, with Goodman just a few, you know, listen, excuse me, a few minutes ago when, you know, he said, you know, quote unquote, you know, none, none of these guys are, are franchise guys, but they're all very good, which is what I vividly remember him saying back in 2014 when we were doing draft appraisals uh, in the lead up to, to that particular draft. And that was the Marcus Smart draft. That was a draft of got to lose all these games so they can get one of these top five guys. But he was, that was his, uh, you know, appraisal back then. And it, it is proven to be pretty accurate. And that is what he has said now. But he, I mean, even though this, every year you're bound to get a real corner, uh, cornerstone or cornerstone-ish guy at various points in the draft, 
Uh, we just don't want to say and, and put ourselves on record before or right after a selection that, uh, oh yeah, this guy, he is going to be unbelievable. Top two player on a title team. But at the same time, I mean, Mr. Goodman did finish off with a quote, Jason Tatum will be a multiple-time All-Star. Uh, we are going to quote you on that, Jeff. You are now on record. There it is. Episode number 215 of Celtics Beat. Jeff Goodman, Jason Tatum will be a multiple-time All-Star. I think we're all going to take that, right? Most of everyone who is listening to the show, most everyone, because most everyone who listens, uh, there's a portion of our audience out there who are not Celtics fans, which we sincerely appreciate, though. We, we, we love all of our listeners. But we will take Jason Tatum being a multiple-time All-Star, that is for sure. If I may go on record, which... As I say, I mean, a little warning, uh, take it with a grain of salt uh, after my knees buckled at the Jalen Brown 12-6 curveball last year. But, uh, I mean, you know, after rolling the dice a bit on Jalen last year, I, I, I just can't see Tatum busting. I would be surprised, certainly pleasantly surprised, if his career paralleled one Paul Pierce. Uh, it's a 1B guy on a title team, first ballot Hall of Famer. But I don't think there's any way. I'm, of course, barring a Jason Williams, Bobby Hurley motorcycle slash car accident that cripples his entire career. Let's not go there. I don't see any way he is uh, going to have anywhere. But, but I, he is going to be a anywhere between a good to a very, 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 very good NBA player or somewhere in between that. Uh, you know, he like Pierce isn't the most athletic guy. He doesn't have that incredible first step, but that ability to get his own shot from all different angles or anywhere, his seemingly improving outside game, which of course we know is a necessity in today's NBA in the 2010s, now going closer to 2020s, uh, which it should only improve as he seemingly does have the work ethic and an absurdly high basketball IQ from all accounts and from all prior references. So this is very low risk. Uh, it may not be an ultra-high reward, as some other names in the draft we may be, as we all know now know, but he is going to bring a lot to the table to go all cliche, and very possibly next year. I mean, listen, I mean, if Jalen Brown can contribute uh, with how bad he looked at times in December and how raw he was, I mean, Tatum, how how we forget, the, uh, you know, all the talk of him being a plus rebounder at whichever forward position that he will play at whatever point on the court. He is going to help, but that... Of course, it's a conversation for another show. Much like when Jeff Goodman tried to go there with uh, Isaiah Thomas on two occasions, which is no surprise. Uh, but uh, as he did with the, the uh, uh, i.e., I've been hearing that other players don't want to play with IT because he dominates the ball. That's just a conversation for another show that would have gone on forever. We only have so much time to bang out this broadcast, and we all have so much of Jeff's time. Uh, for now, anyways, at least for me, I'll go on record. A- minus for the Celtics in the draft in 2017. With all things considered from the past 10 days, right? Going back to last, technically it's 8 days or 7 days, last Sunday, 12, like 33 Eastern time, whenever that trade broke. But really last Friday when we all knew that that trade was pretty much going to happen. A- minus for the Celtics. You got it from me. We all love the draft grades. A- minus. Third time's a charm. And... I, too, will go on record to transition to next week, which is my favorite slash least favorite weekend uh, show of the year. Favorite in that, well, uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, right after last year, uh, there is probably no more crazy weekend on the NBA calendar. That counts in season, by the way. The 4th of July weekend, 
the first uh, few days after the uh, when players can start talking to teams, free agents can start talking to teams on July 1st on 12:01. We all remember last year. Many of us, myself, sadly included, were very unproductive in our social lives. Not just on America's birthday, but my birthday uh, with Al Horford, Kevin Durant, that wimp. Um, <laughs> I remember giving a completely hungover Mr. Poolin a 5 a.m., a 5.15, a 5.30 a.m. wake-up call to record with me. You know, no one is really in a rush to be on Celtics beat the Sunday a.m. after the Saturday evening of 4th of July weekend barbecues, so... We got Justin in. If you want to hear myself in a drunk Justin Poolin celebrating the Al Horford signing and anticipating a Kevin Durant signing, uh, which didn't really turn out too well, that is in the archives. Episode number 164 of Celtics Beat, iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Oh, who will be here next week? Not even I know. We usually have our guests in the queue. That's up. That is a TBD next week, but we will get someone for sure. Hope they are in a better condition than Justin was this uh, last Sunday. Maybe it will be Justin again, but we do know it is going to be a barn burner no matter what happens. Uh, do have to uh, alert our listeners to anticipate a little bit of a later release in the day. Maybe around 9 a.m. Eastern Time-ish next Sunday. Uh, I don't want to repeat a last week. Now we're, we're myself and Mr. Vicini. We did operate under the assumption that that trade with Philadelphia was going to go down. But nonetheless, it had not yet. And we recorded late Saturday night. I hit publish as the clock pretty much struck midnight for Sunday. And boom, trade official. But we did, I mean, we did cover the bases, uh, for, but, um, and we will make sure that we do that next week. So, for episode number 216, I sincerely hope and do feel a wee bit better than Jeff Goodman does about Gordon Hayward holding up a green Celtics jersey in a few weeks. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I just feel better about that than Jeff does, as, as he just mentioned a few minutes ago. So, take that for what it is worth. Just, uh, if I may make one request, if Mr. Hayward, if you are listening, if you, we wouldn't mind if you could commit to the Celtics as early as possible, you know, at a more prudent time, or even whichever team you do plan to play for next year. I, we hope it is the Celtics, but just to make it easier for me, I mean, say midday Saturday, which is the first, I believe, uh, in which, uh, that is the first day two teams can start negotiating with players, but, uh, Gordy, That'd be nice, man. I, I really would appreciate that. May even be able to get our show up at our normal 3 a.m. Eastern uh, Sunday time. But just a heads up on that. Next Sunday, probably expect a 9 a.m.-ish release. Uh, maybe even a little later. So the easiest thing to do is to subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes and Stitcher and or download the CLNS Media Network mobile app, both free and just most convenient for all of you who intend to listen to the show. And it is a subtle and easy way to support this broadcast, not those jamokes in corporate media who are now bandwagoning on Celtics coverage after years of either ripping the organization and the sport of basketball or just outright ignoring them. So screw you, AM and FM radio. Subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes and Stitcher and support what we do here at the CLNS Media Network. A better way to finish on that. To the script. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrateau. Today's sponsors were HelloFresh and ZipRecruiter. 
I want to thank Jeff Goodman once again for joining today's show, number 215, and everyone who took time out of their weekend to download this broadcast. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, graphic designer Scott Dillon, founder of the network Nick Gelso, I am Larry A. Trussell, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, powered by the CLNS Media Network. 